Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 159 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. I was saddened to hear of the passing of Chadwick Bozeman, who died way too young at the age of 43 from colorectal cancer. As most of you know, that's the disease that's been part of my life for over nine years now. So this really hit close to home. Lots of us go around and banter brand ourselves or brand people who are dealing with major life challenges, particularly cancer, as superheroes. And Chadwick Bozeman really was one. His movie, The Black Panther, came out in 2018, and he was diagnosed with colorectal cancer in 2016. So think about that for a second. Here's a guy who is in the middle dealing with stage four colon cancer while filming a superhero action flick. I can't think of a better definition of a real superhero. And when the movie came out, he indeed became a hero to many people, many people of color particularly. Happened to see really a heart-wrenching photo that someone shared on Facebook after the news of his passing was shared of a little African-American boy playing with his toys in his room. And he had all these about, look like about 10-inch high action figures, all standing in a circle. Batman, Superman, the Hulk, all standing in a circle. And inside the circle was one action figure laying down, symbolizing the death of the Black Panther, who we knew as Chadwick Boseman. May his memory be a blessing to all who knew and loved him. And folks, colorectal cancer is no longer just a quote-unquote old person's disease. Too many people are being diagnosed and too many people are losing their lives to this disease at a young age. Next to my desk in my studio, I have 11 photos. Those 11 photos are of former guests of the We Have Cancer podcast, and every one of them has passed from colorectal cancer. And as I'm looking at those photos and as I'm speaking to you now, every single one of those people, with the exception of one, died from colorectal cancer at an age younger than 45, some younger than 40. So if you or someone you love has symptoms that are new, has a change in bowel habits, whatever it may be, as a matter of fact, I'm going to make this easy for you. If you go on to the wehavecancershow.com website, as part of the show notes for today's episode, I'm going to include uh, a list of the common uh, symptoms that may be an indicator 
for colorectal cancer. But understand that there's not always symptoms. I was diagnosed at the age of 50 from a routine, that's in air quotes, colonoscopy, and I had no symptoms. So even if you have no symptoms and you're at the age of 45, if you're a person of color, particularly African-American or Latino, you want to start asking your doctor about getting checked around 40. There are options and different ways to get screened. Your doctor can walk you through that. And if you have any questions at all, you certainly can email me at lee at wehavecancershow.com. But do check that out in today's show notes. My guest this week is Joe Bullock. Joe is a super guy. Joe is a generous guy. He, along with uh, our buddy Trevor Maxwell, were the founding members of the Man Up to Cancer, the Howling Place Facebook group, which you've heard me reference several times on this show. And if you are a guy dealing with cancer, either as a patient, survivor, or caregiver, or you are assisting a guy who's in that role, do check out the Man Up to Cancer, the Howling Place Facebook group, a wonderful, supportive environment. And Joe is a big part of that. And Joe has been a big part of lots of things, helping support others while dealing with his own colon cancer diagnosis. You'll hear more about it during our conversation with Joe Bullock. Joe, welcome to the We Have Cancer podcast. This has been in, in the making because I, I think I mentioned to you a few weeks ago on one of your Facebook posts, I, I immediately uh, branded you as the unofficial president of the We Have Cancer podcast fan club because of all your great support and your comments and promoting the show. And I truly appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome, Lee. Thank you so much. You have been such a part of my journey since I was diagnosed in June of 2018. My wife is an RN at Duke University Hospital in Durham, North Carolina, and I go to the cancer center there for follow-ups now. But when I was diagnosed after just having a routine colonoscopy, having cancer was sort of like showing up for my wedding. Everyone just kind of got involved and kind of told me what to do, where to stand, where to be. So <laughs> it literally was just like, you know, yeah, showing up for my wedding, you know, I'm here <laughs> kind of thing. And it wasn't until probably a couple months later that the emotions really started hitting. And the reality of having cancer, I mentioned earlier today, is significant to me because two years ago today, I was having my port placement done and preparing for my first dose of chemo chemotherapy. So Going into August that year, I started having those kind of emotions that kind of worry about, you know, you know, where, 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 where were we going from here? I kind of knew things were being taken care of, but you don't really know. You know, you don't really know what the chemo is going to do to your body or, or what you're heading into. And I remember searching around online a little bit after being home resting. And I think I came across uh, the cancer, Colon Cancer Alliance. And I think your podcast came up. And mm -hmm. I looked into it and I remember one of the first podcasts that I, that I think I'd listened to was actually the Charles Griffith Jr. podcast. Oh, wow. So and that was Charles the first time. Charles passed a year ago. He passed a year, a year ago. ago. Yeah. And he reached out, I reached out to him after your podcast. He actually got me hooked up with Colon Town, introduced me to the men's poker group that's in Colon Town for support. We didn't know each other very well, but he sent me a couple of messages of support. 
you know, he was like, you're just stage three. You, you're going to you just keep your keep doing your protocol, you know, keep keep reaching out, keep your heart open, reach out to guys, um, get active in the group and just encourage me in those thoughts. Uh, we talked about our marriages and our kids and we had a couple of conversations that were very helpful and encouraged me in, in that part of my journey. Definitely. So, yeah, you know, and, and, I did not yeah. have the pleasure of meeting Charles in person, but he truly was an inspiration as well. You know, speaking of support, there was a, a post and we'll talk about the Howling Place and uh, the Man Up to Cancer work that you were uh, working so closely with Trevor Maxwell on. Mm-hmm. But someone shared a post the other day and I, I don't want to mention their name, but it kind of broke my heart because the individual was talking about the fact that they don't have the support at home that many of us are blessed to have. And you, as you always do, immediately responded with such a thoughtful post about what you've been through, the role your wife has played in your cancer experience. Can you just kind of share a little bit about that post and, and, just kind of talk about where that came from. Yeah. So going going back in, in, in August, you know, going through my first couple of rounds of chemo, I, I really became very sad. And I, and I wasn't a depressed person. I've never been that. I, I'm a pre-K teacher for a job. So I've always been, I've done that for 20 years. I've always been very happy, very joyful, especially with teaching five-year-olds. So for me to turn into this sad kind of broken person was definitely a, a shock for my system and for everyone around me. Um, my wife, who is an RN, I mentioned earlier, it, you know, her head is in a very clinical headspace. She, she's all about helping me through, you know, new treatments. She laminated me a chart so I could check everything off. She had all the clinical stuff in check. For her, the struggle was, was the emotional side of it because she is a nurse and there's some things you just kind of have to leave at the door when you come home. So we were in a couple of my chemo sessions and my oncologist actually started noticing that he had known me for a while. And he said, wow, you've really, you're really changing. I can tell you're really getting sad. And he said, "Um, I'm going to have a therapist come out and just talk to you for a minute. And I really wasn't seeing it directly. (laughs) And so the therapist actually sat down with my wife and myself at the time, and I'm, she's asking me how I'm doing. I'm, I'm kind of like thinking, oh, we're fine. We're doing great. You know, I think we're okay. And then my wife spoke up and said, basically, I need you to take him. I can't be his sounding board all the time. I can't be the person. It was just too much pressure on her to be the caregiver, to be trying to keep up with the treatments, and to also be my sounding board. And I had a, a lot of respect for my wife. You know, it took a lot for her to say that in that moment. It took a lot for me to accept it in that moment. I think our relationship was strong enough to, to handle it, you know? And um, so we talked to the therapist a little more and then I went and talked for a while and I did about three or four sessions with her and it helped me to be a, a better father, a better husband, it really gave me a different outlook on my, my diagnosis. Um, and it actually helped my wife because she, she knew I, I had someone to talk to and I wasn't putting all the burden on there her. I mean, she was definitely there for me, but, but mm-hmm. it just gave her some, some peace. It gave her some peace. It was really helpful. Right. So it, it's been two years. Talk about, and I had uh, Trevor on the show back uh, late March, episode mm-hmm. 147. How did you two come together 
you know, to put this whole man up to cancer Facebook group together. And did you uh, raise your hand or were you voluntold to, to help him out? I'm sure you raised your hand. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting. And it, it really goes back to you and Charles in some ways. And so, so, you know, I ha- I went through treatment and in six months of chemo, I did oxyplatin and Zanola together. And then in February of 2019, I got that gift, that NED, that as colon cancer patients, we want to hear. And kind of, it's interesting. I did go celebrate a little bit with the family. I went out and bought like the biggest bacon cheeseburger you could find and the, the biggest <laughs> bowl of mint chocolate chip ice cream I could find. But I didn't like other people around me were like, oh, you should throw a party, you should do this, do that. And I just wasn't there. It was like it's like this gift that I didn't know how to unwrap. I didn't know what to do with it. And I kind of felt for even a couple of months after that, I felt a bit in a fog. And it just I didn't really know what to do. And I remember going to my therapist, talking to her a bit, because I actually was going to a support group that she led for a while. And she approached me and she said, I know you just got this NED. I'm excited for you. But I know in a couple of months, it's going to hit you and I want you to call me. And sure enough, it did hit me. I didn't really know what to do. And I was a, a lot of the reoccurrent thoughts were going through my head, you know. And so we did a couple more sessions and that kind of helped, helped me talk through it. But I didn't really know. I know that I wanted to do something for men going through cancer. Like that was in my mind because I had had a kind of a history a little bit going back a little bit. But. In my 20s, I had a scare with Tetesco cancer. And then my dad actually had prostate cancer. And so in my mid-30s, he and I ended up having the same primary care physician for some reason. And so I found out that he had prostate cancer through the doctor, actually. And so I started getting checked for prostate cancer. And so, and even when I started having symptoms for colon cancer, I wasn't thinking colon cancer. I was thinking it was prostate cancer. And it wasn't until I actually got got that colonoscopy that I found out the difference. But so a couple months went by and I think around the time I started doing some advocacy work a little bit. I, I, I was sharing my story a little bit and then I, I did a couple of fundraisers, but really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then when Charles passed away, I went back and I listened to your podcast again with him, listened to his story he did about we talked about the glow sticks and how you, mm. when you break a glow stick, you light up. And I remember listening to that again and thinking, okay, I've, I've been broken in probably the worst way I've ever been in my life. And now I, I, I need to glow. I need to glow. <laughs> so I started, I had been kind of in friend requesting men over the past year through Facebook, just, you know, just to say hello in two or three of the different, there's so many CRC groups. So I just started friend requesting the men in the different groups and probably had a couple opportunities to start something, but they weren't going anywhere. And so I, I kind of started actually kind of giving up on the idea probably in October. I've been praying a lot about it, did a lot of meditating about it, but nothing wasn't coming together. And so probably in December, Trevor reached out to me. We had didn't Trevor and I actually didn't really know each other very well. And he hadn't really made a whole lot of comments in Colon Town. He was part of the men's group of Colon Town that I was. And um, he all of a sudden started making some comments on a couple of posts. He actually reached out to me and said, Hey, can you just write me? He was he has a journalistic background. So he said, Could you write your story? I'm 
preparing some things for Colon Town. And I said, sure. And I sent that to him. And then probably about a week later, this is like in early December, he said, can, can I give you a call? And I was like, sure. And we started talking and he started talking about the same things that Charles talked about. One thing Charles talked about was, you know, it's okay to be angry about your cancer. It's okay to cry about your cancer. It's okay to whatever you need to do in that moment, but just don't live there. You know, put yourself, mm-hmm. put, put yourself, put yourself together, move, move on, you know, be, be in life. And uh, and as I was talking to Trevor, he was basically saying the same things to me. And and I talked to other couple of people about doing this this idea, but no one was saying those same words. And all of a sudden I realized Trevor was talking about men not self-isolating, having an open heart, having a warrior spirit, the pack idea, the the team spirit idea that men long for. You know, when we were younger, we played athletics, football, baseball, basketball. We loved our teams. He was talking about having something that had like a team spirit. And he just didn't want just specific cancer. He wanted it to be for all forms of cancer for men to have a place to land when they have a cancer diagnosis. And and I said, that sounded great. You know, we, we talked that one day and he said, I'll be in touch with you after Christmas and we'll talk again. And so he calls me after Christmas and says, you know, this is what I want to do. I want to green light the Facebook group on January 1st. Later that month, the, the webpage, we're going to get the webpage going. Hope, he had other ideas, hopefully the podcast, which has now started, and some other ideas that he had. And so basically, January 1st, he greenlit the, the, the Facebook group, which is known as The Howling Place. And I probably had about 250, 300, it might have been 400, I can't remember. All I know is that day when he said do it, I basically went through and invited every man I knew which was most of the men I had on my Facebook group. Because I only had like 50, 50 members in Facebook before cancer. And I think I had like 800 over the year. <laughs> me, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, I had like 200 Facebook friends and now I'm like, you know, 1,500. Right. Uh, and I'd say probably, uh, about, probably about 400 of those were men. And so I just went through and just invited all of them. Not, not knowing that they would really you know, accept the invite. And I think within a week, we had gotten like two weeks, we had already had like 250. I was real excited when he, when you joined, I got excited. And I remember I kind of fanboyed a little bit and I text Trevor, like, Trevor, <laughs> we joined. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. It just kind of made everything seem legitimate. It made it seem like this is, this is somebody saying this is good. And I, I appreciated when you did that because it really did kind of put that for us. And, and then when he said, he said, he sent me a message back saying, Oh, I'm doing this podcast. And, and I think that was in February or something did your podcast. And, and my goal in my mind was, okay, I have to get as close to three or 400, at least 300 men before Trevor gets that podcast. And I think we actually had that um, pretty close to he that. Did. Yeah. When he did the podcast. Yeah. 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 What do you know, you know, having spent time in, and and so have I, in the various other cancer groups, specifically the colon cancer groups, what do you notice differently about the howling place that perhaps you didn't see in other groups? Well, it's it's interesting, and we've had to kind of convince the men a little bit of this, and and you know, it's funny. One of our active days, one of the days we have. In, in the Howling Place is called the ABC Day. And it's the first day of each month. And it's called the Anything But Cancer Day. 
And so we encourage the guys to post about their jobs, their hobbies, their events, you know, uh, what they have going on outside of cancer. And I remember the first one we did, I kept getting like these private messages like, what do you mean we can't talk about our cancer? What if I need to talk about my cancer? You know, it was just, and we were just <laughs> like, no, 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 you know, you know, you can still do that. We're just encouraging. We just want one day, one day to, to just kind of set it aside if we can. And because, because you were, you know, you had an identity before cancer. And I think when you're in the midst of cancer, you kind of start to lose that idea that you were a person before cancer, but, and that person's still there and you just need to be reminded of that. And I think that's sort of a day to remind ourselves that we're, we're not just our cancer. You know, you know, we do love, we do have our hobbies and we do have our sporting events and the guys, you know, Rob Miller, who's one of our admin, showed one day showed pictures of his trip to Italy riding his motorcycle. You know, it's just things like that that guys love to see. And just and, and that was kind of the idea that that we're, we're different in the sense that we're in that space between treatment. And. You know, treatment, di- diagnosis and treatment and hopefully um, beyond that, past that, that you just need a space to be. We're not about treatment cures. We're, we're more about just life and having that time to share with one another about what our, what our life, what our life is, what our life is. And I think that's what we're trying that, to, that's what's different. I think that's what we're trying to be different about. I was just going to say, was that the intent when you started the group? That was the, the idea. That was the idea. And I think, I think that that's the thing about it being all forms of cancer. Cause one thing we've, we've done some, and one, and nice, the one thing with COVID is that we brought in these Zoom meetings that we didn't really intentionally mean to do, but it was just needed with COVID-19. And when I know one, one Zoom meeting, we had about 16 guys in the group and they were with all forms of cancer. And we all of a sudden realized that no matter what form of cancer we had, the emotional trauma was the same. The feelings were the same. What you were going through in the process was really the same, you know, and, and that and they all started sharing about their lives and, and what they're involved in and what they're doing. So it became this really like camaraderie pack idea it was really coming to life. It really helped you guys out. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. What do you feel now that you, you know you're six, seven months in? about the name and choosing the wolf as, as kind of the uh, mascot, for lack of a better word, in, um, in terms of how it fits the group? I think it, it fits the group very well. I think the idea of, of a pack and like when, when one member of a pack is down, the others surround the member and lift him up. And that's the idea of a wolf pack. That's what the wolves do. Because Trevor had done a lot of research and shared with me about it. And it was just, you know, that's the idea is that when one man's down, everyone surrounds that person and lifts them up. And I, and I think we're doing that on a daily basis within the Howling Place. Were you surprised to see how much men are sharing in the group? Because I know being parts of other groups and even physically when, back in the day when we can physically get together as groups, having been to a number of the colorectal cancer Alliance conferences. I, I remember the first time my wife went me, what was with me and I looked around and I said, sweetheart, 
do you notice it's like 80% women and 80% of colon cancer patients are not women. It's close to 50, 50. And I said, guys don't want to be here. They don't want to talk about their feelings. They don't want to, you know, be that vulnerable. And then they find the howling place. Exactly. I mean, and it's, and I understand that because I necessarily want to either to do that. And I, I think it, it, it's it's something that's hard as men for us to do. It's hard to talk about our health. It's, tar- it's We don't like to talk about these icky things that, especially where cancer hits a man and his health, mm-hmm. it's always mm-hmm. in places that we don't really want to talk about. And, right. and it's hard to talk about. And I think having a space just for men makes that a little easier. I think back to my dad who didn't want to deal with his prostate cancer. And he was on Facebook. And, and I wish that there was kind of a group and, and maybe the idea of the group goes back to my thinking about my dad somewhat, because I think if he had a group like this, he may have t- taken another look at his health hmm. a, a lot harder and, and, and maybe had done things differently. Because when he passed away, um, I was his caregiver for the last couple of weeks of his life. And the one thing he did say to me was he regretted his health decisions. Mm. That he looked back on it and wish he had done what the doctors wanted him to do instead of being stubborn and just not making those correct decisions. I'm hoping that that's what we're creating in the Howling Place is a place for men to feel comfortable to talk about those things. That they that there's a space where if they're having issues with their prostate, they've got a whole group of brothers who have prostate cancer who they can automatically share with, you know, and talk with if they need to. Same thing with testosterone cancer and, and, and men's, you know, men's male breast cancer. We have several men. Uh, there's uh, 2,500 men will be diagnosed with male breast cancer this year. And to have a space where that can be talked about, I think it is great. I think it's important. Absolutely. You know, you talked about how your wife kind of pushed you towards seeing a therapist mm-hmm. because, you know, her probably emotional plate was full, right? Right. I see how active you are in the group, Joe. And it's not, you know, and I am as guilty of this as anybody. The quick thumbs up, like, without taking the Mm -hmm. time to, you know, to write out a thoughtful comment. And Mm -hmm. it seems like virtually every time you take the time to read the post Mm -hmm. and provide sometimes a fairly lengthy response do you ever find yourself getting some emotional fatigue as an admin of the group? I do. Yeah, I do step away. I, I do step away. Uh, you know, I will go for long walks. I do try to get walk every morning. I do try to take times to put the phone down just, just for that reason. Cause you, you need to do that. You can't always be on, you can't always be on. And it, it is hard. I mean, I'm a stage three guy. And so I know I've had to talk to the threats. To some of the stage, lower stage guys, I would get comments about, well, I don't really feel like I can be a part of the group because I'm not where some of the guys are at. You know, like guys like yourself that are stage four and they don't feel like they really have a purpose in the group. And in fact, Clint Hart, Clint Hard, Hardwig, who's in our group, we had the same conversation about early on, I think back in February, March, and he was sharing with me about how he didn't feel comfortable in the group. He was stage three. He really didn't know he had a lot to add. And as he and I were talking, he was telling me how he wanted to be an, an, an oncology massage therapist, that exercise during chemotherapy was very important to me. 
And I said to him, that's your voice. That's why you're needed in the group. Men need to hear this because men don't think about those things where they're going through chemotherapy. They don't understand how important that is. And that's your voice. So I, I think a, a lot of guys just going through this have to find their voice. And that's another thing um, I think with the Howling Places, a lot of these men, I think, are finally finding their voice. And maybe they didn't feel as comfortable at other groups to do that, you know, to do that. And I can't right. always like, and, it, and with a lot of the stage four guys, I don't always know what to say. And one thing I learned early on when I got that NED gift, I started going to my cancer center and I have a couple of friends who are in the group. Uh, Brent Call is a great friend who is still being seen at Duke. And when he's in town, I go sit with him sometimes. And I can't fix his cancer. I really can't give him any answers. I could just offer a hand. I can, I can just be in the moment. I can sit with him. And that's what he needs. That's what he needs. And that's what I've learned. And I've learned that with the howling place, you know, I can, you know, I can, I can comment some and, and, and be somewhat of a voice. And, and when guys, and a lot of times guys in the group will send me direct messages and I don't always have the answers, but I can at least help in some way or direct them in some way. Maybe mm-hmm. to someone who can, or just be, be a friend. I can just, you know, chat what's going on in the day. Sometimes that's what they need. You know? Sure. Or connect them with someone else in a similar situation. Yeah. Right. I had a guy in a group looking for someone with prostate cancer. And I was like, sure, Tracy Morgan. <laughs> he's he's yeah. with Prostate Zero. You know, that he's, he's a great guy in the group. He's one of our administrators. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, connect right. Tracy. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting to hear the comment you just shared, because even though I've been stage four for nine years, it was just until two years ago that I was the same guy saying, even though I'm stage four, I don't feel like I belong because I don't have a, I'm not in any active treatment. I'm not going through what these guys, some of these other people are going through. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I jinxed it. I don't know, but you know, and and, and then, you know, here I am. And and like you, uh, I've got two uh, NED scans under my belt. So I'm grateful for that. But, but you're right. You know, you don't realize the nuances and the difference Mm -hmm. of everybody's story right? and where they are in their experience. Yeah, exactly. Well, I remember even Trevor Maxwell, I think we were about a month into it and he was, you know, he's in the midst of his fight with stage four and Mm -hmm. he was getting ready for all the scans to see if the immunotherapy was working and this this train with manifest cancer was taking off, I think, a lot quicker than he thought. He was getting some he has some tremendous support with the web page and with I mean, people have just come out of the work work up in Maine that I don't think he was expecting to support everything he's doing. And I remember in February he was telling me, Joe, I, I don't know what these scans are gonna show. We may have to shut everything down. I, I don't know if I can you know, and I wanted this I wanted to tell Trevor, I wanted to say, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. But I couldn't say that to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had to, you know, in my mind, I knew you're creating something that's bigger than yourself. And I think I think it's going to be blessed and honored. But I just had to kind of be the friend and support him the best what he needed at the time. And that was kind of for me to listen. And I, and I tried to build the howling place to support that for him during that time. And I thought that was the best I could be as a friend to him during that moment. And I'm sure it was. Tell us a little bit about you got involved 
with a pediatric cancer patient. Uh, yes. Tell us that story. So it's, it's just so close to my heart because I too am a pediatric cancer survivor. So um, in fact, it, it's funny that I'm on the podcast today because it has some, there's a part of the story with that too. So he, back in January, shortly after we started the Howling Place, Jane Vinson, his grandmother and caregiver, had mentioned him in Colentown. And they were going to be coming to North Carolina to have a, his life life-saving surgery. Basically, he is stage four colon cancer. He is only, at the time, was only 13 years old. I was coming to North Carolina to have a surgery at UNC Children's Hospital. And she had, um, I just reached out to her and said, look, I'm five minutes from the hospital. I'll basically be your gopher while you are here in North Carolina. I'll pick you up at the airport. They were going to be staying at the Ronald McDonald House. I said, I'll help you get set up there, whatever I can do at the hospital. Luckily, it was pre-COVID, so I could make several trips to the hospital and be a part of that, his journey while I was here. We started doing a, an, an encouragement card drive to encourage him during his treatment and his surgery because he was here for about eight weeks. And we probably gathered, it had to have been at least a thousand cards. And Jane had taped them all over his room. And the, the staff there at the hospital said it's like, it was like nothing they'd ever seen. And he was such a trooper. He went through a 17-hour surgery. Tumors were all over his abdomen. And the surgeon was able to get all of it at the time. And then he, so he was here for about eight weeks. And then he headed back to, they're from Corning, California. Went back to Corning, California. And uh, started an immunotherapy, Katrina. And had, I think he just did his fifth round of that and recently had scans, which are now showing that his, his cancer has returned to his liver and his lungs. Wow. So the, I had found that out and I was really down for a couple of days and it was interesting. I'd gone for a run that morning and got to my car and was, he was on my mind a lot. And then when I turned my, looked at my phone, I got the message from you. To be invited to the podcast and and it, it it really meant a lot to me in the moment because i was like you're such a part of my journey that there we go again leah is a part of my journey again and to be able to and he he's such a great kid he's such a smart he loves to ride he has a motorbike he loves to ride i mean it was just really he got back to california and he had gained like 15 pounds was really kind of coming back to himself and to see him now having to restart, really start from square one again, was, it's, it's, it's really hard. The great thing about the cancer community is, and I actually spoke to Jane, I actually messaged with Jane today. There's a doctor in Colentown who was able to reach out to Jane's oncologist in California because they weren't quite sure about the treatment pro- protocol. And between that doctor in Colentown and his oncologist, they were able to put together a, a, a regimen that's that's going to be good for him based on his cancer. But it it was interesting how the cancer community has pulled together to support him in a great way, in a great way. Following your lead. And, and the great thing is that Larry Benson, his grandfather, is a member of our Howling Place. So that's, oh, wow. that's okay. great. Yeah, he's a member of the Howling Place. So it gives him a place to howl if he needs to. And so um, we try to be a support to him now, too. And it's been great to be a part of that family. I've, I've been able to be a part of that family. Um, it's very, very, very touching. Yeah. Touching and I, and I'm sure you've 
left a indelible mark on on the family. And a lot of the men, a lot of the men in the Howling Place have really, really band together during that time. Several of them sent cards. Austin Tribble, who's a great friend who lives in Charlotte a couple hours from me, Jane was starting to lose his hair after surgery and after the hot chemo. And he sent him a bunch of motorcycle hats, caps and different things for his mot- motocross items for him to wear, which was pretty cool, you know. Um, nice. And a lot of the guys were, did things for him. So that's really cool. Where does this this spirit, this this selfless, generous spirit come from? Is this how you were brought up? Not really, actually. It was kind of opposite how I was brought up. And it, <laughs> it leads back to my upbringing and, you know, my relationship with my dad was a very hard, rough relationship. And we I had to kind of put a lot aside to help him pass away. And it was, I remember meeting a chaplain during his whole, the couple of weeks he was in uh, hospice. And chaplain noticed that I was there for him, but he could tell that our relationship was strained. And he was like, you know, you're, you're doing a lot, but if you could just help your dad have this peace right now, I know down the road, it's going to help you. And I didn't know what he meant at the time to when I would get my, sorry, when I would get my cancer diagnosis, I didn't know that what he was saying. Sorry. Okay. That it would help me get through that moment um, through, through this time. And so, you know, that, that was helpful. So as I, I think as I've gone through this, I've, I've, I've been able to extend that help, extend that peace. It's funny in my journey, I really struggled probably after the NED through those few months, my purpose in doing this, I didn't want it to be motivated by guilt because a lot of the guys in the group struggle with guilt. And I, I didn't want this to be that to be the motivator. And, and I wanted it to be a place of, of giving back, a place of realizing that, I, you know, I survived cancer for a reason. It, it's given me kind of an identity that I had lost because I think before cancer, I was a dad. I still am a dad. But my kids were getting older and they didn't need dad as much, you know, and then I've been a preschool teacher, you know, I've been for 20 years, but my role there had changed a lot through the cancer. And I haven't, I haven't really gone, I'm, I'm still there, but I'm, I'm as an assistant and I've kind of stayed in that role. So some of my, my wife had noticed, it goes back to my wife again, she had noticed probably again after the, after, you know, I had Charles had passed away and I had, had looked at the podcast and his videos, she had noticed that I was kind of puttering around the house. I didn't really have a direction. And she said to me, she says, you need to find a passion. You need to find something that's important to you. And just, you need, you need, you need to figure out what that is. And I said, well, I think it has, it's going to have something to do with cancer. And she said, she said, well, let, let's figure that out. And which led to Trevor. And so I think it was through some prayer, through that period that I realized that this was the journey I, I needed to take. It may go back to my grandmother, who was a very giving person, who was a big, big influence on my life. It could be some of that. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I could tell you from my point of view, you on a daily ma- basis are making a huge positive impact on the lives of so many men and women for that matter, because if the men are in a good place, you know, 
you know, their family, whether it be their partners, their wives, whatever it is, they're, they're going to be in a better place as well. So even by default, you know, you're touching more than the people you're, you know, you're actually interacting with. And uh, I just, my hat's off to, to you and to Trevor for the uh, great work that you are doing to help so many people. And I know, uh, you know, it, it's not easy, especially when you're in it. You know, there have been times where I've put up some rebroadcasts uh, or reruns, if you will, of the podcast because I just needed a break. Uh, so I get it, right? But yeah. if there's ever a question, just know that I have so much respect and admiration for the for the work that you're doing because I know that you're having that impact on so many people. Thank you, Lee. I, I appreciate it. And, it. and I get, I mean, I do get benefit from it. A lot of the guys do send me messages and, and, and show their appreciation and really on a daily basis. So I, I get back as much as I'm giving within the Howling Place. I do believe that. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I just want to wish you, I know you've got some scans coming up, so let's keep that NED going. We'll be thinking of you and sending positive vibes your way. And anytime you want to come back on the show and share an update or promote whatever might be happening, it's an open invitation anytime. Uh, it's my pleasure to finally get a chance to chat with you as opposed to just writing comments and thumbs up and those kinds of things. That's right. And right. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that I had the opportunity to do that. And I hope our paths will uh, cross uh, physically yes, one day uh, in the not too distant future. Thank you. Lee. So, that, that, that would be great. That'd be great. Be well, my friend. Many nonprofit organizations are struggling with fundraising at this time because of quarantine. You know, many of these organizations rely on events, whether they're dinners or 5K runs and walks and these things. And the Colon Cancer Coalition is no different. So I hope you will join me. I donated to them, and I hope that you will do the same by visiting the coloncancercoalition.org forward slash events and find a virtual event and help support this wonderful organization that is working so hard to eliminate colon cancer as one of the leading causes of death in this country. I've supported them. I hope you'll join me in doing the same. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.